this time on Holy Ghost Notes. Run in the other direction as fast as you can. I could do no wrong. Bat do, bat do. Pat Boone, Debbie Boone. I wasn't all that good at drums. JK, thanks you guys. You're an asshole. What's up, guys? This is Tim and Matt. You're listening to the Holy Ghost Notes podcast, take two. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. I forgot to turn on Pro Tools. So whenever we start or end an episode, it's just GoPro signaling everywhere, you know? Yeah. And anyone that There's uses so a GoPro knows at. what it sounds like. It's like yeah. that that sound. And oftentimes, you know, a GoPro turning off is usually a bad thing um, because they just, sometimes they just don't work the way they should. So it's just, yeah. and you're like, oh, shoot, we didn't yeah. get the video. The battery died. We're out of space on our hard drive. Something's bad. We need to redo it. In this case, I forgot to turn on Pro Tools. It was user error. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. <laughs> There's yes. a lot to think about these days. So <laughs> there really are. But yeah, how are yep. you, man? What's new? Uh, I'm doing well. I, it was kind of we were just talking about this before we started recording. Um, I was away for Christmas vacation with my family over New Year's. I got a message from a girl named Brianna and. Um, she just said, you know, my brother is a big fan of you guys. He's come to see you play. Here's a couple pictures. Picture with uh, him and myself after a show. Uh, picture with Jake. Picture of him with our set list. Yeah. Um, and then a picture of him in a hospital bed holding, I think it was Rescue and Restore, like a wall flag mm. or a painting or something. And uh, she explained that he's battled cancer for six years. And right. um, she just asked for support, you know, like he didn't have a... At that point, he didn't have a GoFundMe. Um, she was just looking for maybe a video message or something that I could send to the family and for him to watch and just be encouraged. The, the cancer came back, and it came back with a vengeance. I think it was maybe mm-hmm. the third time that it had tried to take him out. And um, yeah. this time, the, the prognosis was worse than ever. There's really nothing that they could do about it. It was a rare type of cancer. So anyway, uh, we worked together, and um, I was able to send him a message, and I got a picture of him sitting on a couch. At that point, he was nonverbal, but she said that um, she saw his face light up and just, you know, it meant a lot to him. So mm-hmm. It was a simple, a simple gesture. It meant a lot to me to get a message back like that, just knowing mm-hmm. that our music impacted him. Uh, I do remember meeting him. It had been years, but I remember seeing him. And I was just telling you, he he reminded me a little bit of um, Tom from Architects, who passed yeah. away of cancer. Um, yeah. So anyway, I got a message last night from his sister. Um, he passed away uh, yesterday. Um, and uh, her message was, he's too good for this world. We know he is now at peace in heaven. It was almost a six-year battle with this terrible cancer, and he is no, lo- and he no longer has to suffer. Uh, from the bottom of my heart, me and my family have been so overwhelmed with the amount of love and support we have been receiving. We see every message, prayer, donation. Um, thank you, everyone. We are forever grateful. Uh, so it was a little bit of a tough morning for me, and I cannot imagine what it was like for them. I just, yeah. just kind of take it personally uh, in this case because... I have a uh, friend who passed away of the, the same type of cancer, and I mm-hmm. was somewhat invested in this guy, Mikey, uh, is his name, just, you know, just getting better and beating this. And obviously, yeah. Holy Ghost Notes has something, has, has some sort of a relationship with 
cancer and that we try to help people with cancer. You know, we did mm -hmm. an event last year. It would actually be happening probably right now if it weren't for COVID-19. Yeah. Um, but it was called right. Beating Drums to Battle Cancer. And we helped a little girl named McKenna uh, who is actually doing very well. So on an upbeat great. note, um, she's doing she's doing great. She beat cancer, came back a second time. You know, she beat it the first time, came back a second time, and she's doing well now. Um, Perfect. So incredible news. I uh, mm. it just it just upsets me, and I take I take it personally when I know people and when I've interacted with people and uh, when I see when I see people having to deal with this. So what we're yeah. gonna do is I suggest that we share this. Um, with our Holy Ghost Notes listeners, if you're listening to this and maybe you've had a loved one um, impacted by cancer or maybe you have yourself um, and you'd like to give support, this family's awesome. Uh, they have a $50,000 goal and so far we've raised uh, $7,300. Um, any dollar amount counts and goes a long way. Um, the family is at a loss and needs our support, you know, and that's why we're here. We're here to yeah, to yeah. to stand up for those, to stick up for those, to help those in need. Um, so uh, yeah. we'll get that posted, and you guys can can hopefully support Mikey. Yeah, definitely. I'll post that up on our social. Um, so uh, yeah, definitely check that out. Do you know the link offhand? I don't know the link offhand, but um, we'll we'll provide that. It's yeah, it's basically we'll Mike's fight against cancer on GoFundMe. Okay. Uh, but we'll yeah. get that shared. So, uh, be, awesome. beyond that, um, you know, I'm just, I'm just thankful for the fact that I get to live another day. It's just a reminder, you know, that this guy was yeah. here yesterday and he's not here today. And here I am Wild, doing man. a podcast with you, talking to our loyal listeners. I practiced drums this morning, went out yeah. to, you know, lunch with my girlfriend, just the little things that we, we, we think are there for the taking. Um, we're reminded time and time and time and time and time again, especially in a year like 2020, that we cannot take anything for granted. And when people uh, lose loved ones or are going through grief and hardship, we need to be there for them because yeah. um, it's not only the right thing to do, it's important. Our Christian faith tells us it's important and there will be a time when we need that help as well. So I want to do that. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Um, it's uh, It's wild. I mean, life and death is just a crazy thing that we all have spent time thinking about, pondering, yeah. trying to understand. You know, no one in this life fully understands it. <laughs> um, it's It's been something I've been thinking about a lot just because of the baby coming. You know, right. New life, just like thinking about like the first things you see, you know, breathing air for the first time. Like, yeah. Like what is that experience I mean, I've experienced it. I don't remember it, but like, what is that experience like? And then on, on the flip side, like taking your last breath, you know, um, leaving this world, mm -hmm. seeing whatever's after this for the first time, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, what yeah. is that like? It's just, it's, um, I mean, you can spend days, people spend their life <laughs> yeah. thinking about these things and, and, uh, f trying to figure it out and trying to understand it. And, uh, yeah. It's, when it's is wild. your wife due? Is she due this week? Next she's, week? She's due in a little over two weeks now. Okay. So soon. Um, she's got a little bit of time, but it's we're kind of yeah. She could go at any time at this point. Yeah. Um, so the baby's uh, very low, and uh, you know she's been having the contractions and everything. So she's ready. You know. Yeah. Just, uh, just kind of the waiting game. You know. Yeah. Your bags <laughs> are packed, and you're ready to go My. though. I'm ready to go. Yeah. yeah. 
got the phone on, so as soon as I hear the word and I'm out the door and yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's crazy to be here again, man. It's like yeah. even the other day I was, you know, I, I think I mentioned that like every morning at uh, my job we have like a like a scrum call, scrum right. meeting with the team, and and uh, on Mondays we we go through something that we're thankful for. Yeah. And so I started off by just saying, like, I'm thankful for the new baby coming. And then right. I started, like, thinking about all of the things that come with that. Yeah. You know, the lack of sleep, you know, changing diapers again, uh, just, you know, uh, especially now with COVID, nothing's really going to change, but you can't really go out or do anything for a while. Uh, so it's like, I, <laughs> I'm like realizing, <laughs> but, but on top of that, I was realizing how much I learned and how much I grew. And like when my son was born, I learned to love in a way that I had never experienced before. Um, and I'm still like trying to figure out like how I am, how am I going to love the second one as much as I love my son? Like how is it possible that I have the capacity to love anymore? And I know mm-hmm. this is just the complex that all new parents go through, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, but I'm excited to learn about my additional capacity to love because it's like, you know, it's just the whole experience is just a learning experience. So I'm excited to grow. I'm excited to learn. I'm excited to experience hardships, uh, Mm -hmm. some of the same hardships actually that I've experienced in the past with my first baby, Um, (laughs) you know, but that actually has a lot to do with what we're going to talk about today. So I'm not going to go too much into that. <laughs> yeah, that's um, true. But uh, we've got a we've got a fun one for you today. I always love going back to these like traditional episodes because we can yeah. just talk. And yeah. uh, and for me, um, this is what I love. I love yeah. this like you know uh, men's group Bible study yeah. conversation with friend style um, episodes just because it's fulfilling to me. Uh, before it even gets to you guys. Yeah, so, that's um, right. But we've got a good one for today. We're going to be going through, uh, well, Matt, why don't you tell them what we're going to be yeah, going yeah. over today? So um, our drum topic is going to be, it's called Drum DNA. And um, I had this realization recently when I was going back to relearn old songs that I wrote when I was a kid, 17, 18, 19 years old, that even though I couldn't remember exactly what I was playing, like where the splash symbol goes, how does that 16th note pattern go? There's there's so many nuances and and intricacies to playing metal drums that it takes a Mm -hmm. long time to relearn something that I wrote a long time ago. That might come as a surprise for many of you listeners who don't know much about drumming. You might think, well, you played it then. That was a long time ago. Certainly you're better now. Why would it be hard to relearn something? Um, The reason for that, that's a valid thought or question, and it might be confusing at first, but I'll try to clear it up in saying um, you have to build these parts and these beats these these fills into your muscle memory and when they're no longer in your muscle memory much like not riding a bike for a long time um it doesn't take a whole lot of time to figure it out um but you still have to figure it out again uh, because you haven't done it in a while and so yeah. i'm relearning these old parts and i'll get really close i'll figure out like okay i, I can kind of figure out how this fill goes right left right right left left kick kick right left right kick kick okay what what's the pattern what am i hitting and then all of a sudden boom, I'm like 80% of the way and then boom, the 20% that's remaining just fills itself in. And I realized um, our drum DNA, um, when we were kids or something we played a long time ago, is is still the same drum DNA we have today. And the 20% Mm -hmm. buffer that I couldn't figure out just fills itself in 
because I'm still the same drummer. I would still play that part that way. I would still hit Tom yeah. one first and then Tom two second and then splash cymbal right and then bell. And I did that when I was 17. But here I am all these years later. It's been 18 years. Jeez, 18 years later. And I would still write the same part. Mm. And yeah. certainly I've practiced hundreds and hundreds of hours. Certainly my influences are different. I have a whole lot more experience performing and practicing and playing and teaching, but it's still the same DNA. Back to your point about having your second baby, you know, bringing life into this world. I'm still blown away by the fact that when someone is born, all the DNA that they'll ever have it, um, is, is currently present. It exists mm-hmm. the moment that that baby is conceived. Yeah. I mean, that is wild to me because think about the 80 years or so that we hope and pray to have on this life or on this planet. Um, and all of that is, is created. And of course it's nurtured throughout your life, but it's, it still exists from the very start. So drum DNA is going to be about that experience. The, the faith topic, the God topic is going to be based on Luke five. And, um, what I want to talk about with you is that place of hurt, pain, rejection that you felt um, that you can't imagine ever wanting to go back to. In fact, you want to run in the other direction as fast as you can. (laughs) Um, I believe God's actually calling us back to those places. Um, Hmm. Luke 5 talks about a carpenter who sees fishermen who have fished all night, all day, all night, countless hours, and they have not been successful in their fishing. And the carpenter... Mm -hmm. The carpenter, not the fisherman, the carpenter tells the fisherman, go back out. Yeah, that that same spot, actually, and cast Mm -hmm. your nets, and you will be successful. And just can you imagine being told that from a carpenter? Can you imagine being told to go back to where you just had spent all those hours in vain. I hate doing things in vain. I, I, mm-hmm. I hate knowing that what I'm doing right now won't count. It won't mean anything. It's not going to produce anything beneficial. It's like how people have talked about hell, right? It's like yeah. you're rolling this boulder up a hill and you push and push and push and push and push. You get to the top of the hill and at the end of every day, it rolls the whole way back to the bottom. That sounds a lot like hell. Everything you mm-hmm. do is in vain and you know it's going to to, to result that way. And yet that's what Jesus says for them to do. So we're going to talk about that. Um, I think I would actually like to start by reading Luke five and then let's go into the drum topic. That way we have a little time to think about what the verse says. Yeah. I love that. Is that cool? Let's, let's do that. All right. Luke five. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. (laughs) When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of the fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Hmm. Luke chapter 
five verses one through eight. Okay, so drum topic, drum DNA. Yeah, <coughs> let that sit for a little bit. <laughs> simmer. Let that let that yeah. simmer. You know, marinate for a little while. We'll sizzle. We'll sizzle In the there. meantime, yeah. we'll we'll talk about something equally as important: <laughs> drumming. <laughs> Not quite. To us but, anyway. Uh, yeah. To, to us, us anyway. To us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So as I was saying, I had this experience recently, right? Yeah. Where. Um, there's this sort of this misconception that we are, picture a line, right? Mm -hmm. We're at this point on a line. And in order to get to this point, <clears throat> that deficit or that margin could, could be considered motivation for a goal. Mm -hmm. So my goal is to get to this point. Yep. Currently I'm here. Mm -hmm. Now there's all sorts of speculation about how to get from this point to this point, but certainly most of us could agree that it, it requires practice, yep. a great deal of practice. But there are a lot of other X factors that um, happen to be money-making ventures for a lot of people, yeah. right? So I'm going to take lessons. I'm going to buy this gear. Um, I'm going to study with this person. Um, I'm going to go to this drum camp. And most of those require you to actually pay money to improve something in your drum circle, right? Whether it's a piece of gear or whether it's the education that you're getting to get you from point A to point B. I want to make you the argument and I want to hear what you have to say and I want to maybe challenge our listeners to think about the fact that there, there might not be as many X factors as what you think in getting you from this point on a line to this point in a line. And actually, if you reduce it to its most simplistic format, it might just be that you have what you need internally. And yeah, mm -hmm. there are some rough, there are some rough edges. There, there's some, there are some things that need to be refined and corrected and aligned in a certain way, but none of those things count for anything if you're not going anywhere, mm -hmm. right? And I think I made this analogy before where people talk a lot about technique. I need to get better technique. <laughs> I need to work on my technique. I need to refine my technique. That's true. But what good is technique if you're not playing drums, mm -hmm. what good is learning how to shift a car if you're not using the gas pedal? There's, there is no purpose to refining something that isn't a thing. Mm -hmm. The thing is your drumming. The thing is what you're bringing as a human being, as a drummer, as a musician, as a creative to your instrument so that you can produce something. What's being produced and how it's being produced can be refined. It can be corrected. It can be brushed up. It can be corrected. Corrected twice. Corrected is important. Uh, but it's, it's important first and foremost that all of those X factors be put out here, maybe in your peripheral, and your main focus being, I like playing drums. I like playing these drum parts. Mm -hmm. I like this genre. I like this setup. I like this style feel, this style beat. And you hammer down so hard on that stuff that there, there isn't a lot of extra time left and your thought processing to say, oh, wait, I think maybe I should get some lessons. Mm -hmm. That can come and it will come and it'll fall in line. But first, create something of sustenance that can be molded mm -hmm. um, and, and, and corrected. Um, and I think that we, we sell ourselves short thinking that we don't really have all that much to offer. Mm -hmm. We don't really have all that much to offer. The, the proof of that for me personally is that the drum parts that I was writing as a kid... 16, 17, 18 years old are, are much of the same drum parts that I would write today. Meaning when I go back to relearn old songs, when I'm pretty close to figuring it out, 
when I get to that, you know, 80% mark where it's, it's almost there, I can just fill in the gap immediately because I'm like, oh yeah, I would still play it that way today. That's what I played back then. I would yeah. still write that drum part today. That's what I wrote back then, mm-hmm. you know? And as I was saying, that should inspire us. That should, that should make us happier musicians, not depressed ones, knowing that we have a lot more to offer in and of ourselves than what we think. The misconception is that we need other people to show us. The argument I'm making is that not necessarily. You have to say something on your own, yeah. and then you can eventually let other people speak into that. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to I'm going to come at it from my own experience and my own thought process, and probably right. end up at the same place that you just ended, and then we okay. can talk about it. So sounds good. <clears throat> um, I so to start, I too agree that there is something that every single person has that is innately theirs. Um, and that isn't specific to drums. That's, you know, any musical instrument, any writing, any creative, anything, not even right. specifically that, you know, even like doctors have a way of thinking about something that is innately theirs. And they're the ones that go on to discover the cure for this or that, you know, <laughs> like right. everyone has something that is innate to them that is special. Um, that's how God made us. At least that's what I believe. <laughs> um, I, I grew up thinking as, you know, someone who have, I, I've known that I wanted to play drums since I was, since before I can remember, <laughs> like mm-hmm. I've just always wanted to learn how to play drums. Um, and I always was under the impression that like, if I got lessons, you know, at a certain point when I was probably, you know, seven, eight, nine, I was afraid that if I took lessons, it would influence my style. So even mm-hmm. at that young age, I recognized something that was unique to me. Did I think it was better than this other person? No, not necessarily, but I still recognized it was unique, and I didn't want to lose that. I didn't want to take lessons or be influenced from other parties because it would change my style, and my style was what I felt was what I had. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I agree. I wasn't all that good at drums, but I had something. You know, there was something yeah. there. Um, yeah. That was actually a foolish way of thinking because what I didn't realize is that taking lessons from someone, although it does influence your style, I don't think it influences it a whole lot more than uh, listening to music or playing Mm -hmm. along to songs, which is exactly what I was doing. I was playing to the music that I liked. Um, What I could have learned was actual technique, how to sit properly, how to, you know, I could learn my rudiments and, you know, from an earlier age instead of realizing, oh, I actually need to go back to the to the drawing board and, and figure some of this stuff out before I can advance in my playing. Um, yeah. But uh, what, same as you, what I've noticed is that regardless of the, you know, the few lessons that I've taken in my lifetime or all of the different songs that I've played along to, regardless of the style, um, you know, these days, like, I still love pop punk. Um, you know, that's kind of, those were my roots, like, 90s hard rock and new metal and then pop punk for the rest <laughs> you know uh, but yeah. even now like i've switched to like just regular radio pop and uh dubstep like i got into like a dubstep phase where i just like replicating the electronic drums um yeah you know like no matter what i tried to play or what songs i cover or what styles i'm into at the time there's still that thing that is me 
Yeah. Um, and whether it's as apparent to people as like Travis Barker's playing, like as soon as you right. hear Travis Barker, you know it's Travis Barker. I don't know if I've if I'm there, but at least I recognize it. At least when I'm playing, right. I'm like, this is me. This still mm-hmm. sounds like me. If I listen to myself playing at 14, yeah, it's still me. You know, it's yeah. there's still certain things, certain fills that I gravitate towards. Um, I was actually in Adam's, Adam's episode. I had a question written down. I didn't end up asking it, but it was I was going to ask like, what is your go-to fill right now everyone's got yeah. every drummer is everyone everyone listening is probably laughing right now because every drummer's got a go-to fill yeah. and it's that thing that in most cases you probably hate it like i hate that i do that like why do i always <laughs> throw that fill in um <laughs> but every drummer's got that go-to fill whether it's the better better or you know like but yeah you know um uh, that's mine obviously twice yeah but do better do you know um yeah everyone's got it uh, but I Pat think- Boone, Debbie Boone, isn't that what <laughs> da- it's called? Yeah, is that Pat- what it is? Pat Boone, Debbie Boone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I learned to take my but up, but up to but up, bum. That's you know that was my improvement. <laughs> <laughs> just classic, kidding. classic. But uh, I think yeah, I think everyone's got something that that makes them them. And yeah, uh, okay. You know, I have a question yeah. for you because you just jogged my my thinking here. So <laughs> okay. you grew up playing pop punk, is that yeah. right? Uh, yeah, okay. that, I, I, it, it, uh, in my time of really playing drums a lot, pop punk was where I was at. Yeah. Okay. So what if you had grown up playing jazz because that's what your parents had taught you? Mm-hmm. Um, you're correct in saying that your style is your style. And if you were to play in church, um, I could still tell that it's you, even though it's a completely different genre than yeah. pop punk or something that you love and have played for countless hours. Yeah. But what if you had been taught how to play jazz first? Do you think that jazz would have been your primary love? You wouldn't have moved on to pop punk and therefore your style would be different? Or do you think regardless of what you're taught, um, your style always wins out? The hmm. style that is specific to you. In other words, what came first, the chicken or the egg? What yeah. you know? What came first? Your style and drumming is kind of it's kind of pop punk rock oriented, right? Yeah, yeah. Is that because you started playing that genre first that you play that way, or is it that, it, or does it work the other way around? That's a really good question. I don't know if there's actually a a, a true a way to answer tell. to that. Uh, yeah. Just because it's like a to- that's a psychology uh, like a psychological tests that would have to be run right. or a study that would have to be run you know for 20 right. test subjects or whatever to figure out what the percentage there is but uh yeah. I, it's hard to say so i mean i didn't really start with pop punk necessarily um i was into like i do you remember that band pfr pray for rain yes so that was like the earliest for me as far as like okay like when I when I remember trying to learn songs, them and like the Beatles, okay, Nirvana, you know, like Nirvana definitely had a big influence on me. Um, the Spin Doctors back in the <laughs> the nineties, uh, you know. So there's a lot of stuff. You remember that song? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I still do that fill actually. <laughs> you know, it's super cool. Um, well, you were probably what, like twelve years old then? Not even. I was like six yeah. or something. Yeah. Jeez. Um, yeah. I uh, I think yeah, pop punk. I think I would have ended up loving pop punk regardless of 
what drum style I was taught. If I was, yeah. if at a young age, the jazz, like, and jazz was actually a very smart choice there because there's a lot of um, uh, rudiments in jazz that you need to know to even call what you're playing jazz drumming. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a yeah. lot of things there, uh, you know, skills that need to be learned. And I think that if if I had learned those and practiced those, it would have actually changed my sound, um, mm. to be completely honest. There'd still be an element of me. Um, you know, everyone, you know, like, it, it actually becomes very clear when you play it uh, play drums up against a Pro Tools screen. I know we've talked about this many times. Yeah. But when you see the distance between your drum hit and the actual grid click, yeah. um, you realize that you're not playing on beat. It right. might sound on beat, but you're not necessarily playing on beat. And some of the best drummers aren't going to be mechanical in how, you know, how tight their uh, strokes are to that grid. You know, yeah. like some of the best, uh, Steve Gadd, for instance, is a really good example. Uh, Ash Sohn. Ash Sohn. Uh, yeah. You know, like they don't play on the grid a lot of the time. They're playing these off notes that don't even show up on the grid in most cases. Yeah. And yeah. it sounds so cool and it's so them because it's not perfectly on with the grid. Like there's that, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's feel. You know, that's really mm-hmm. the best word. that when, when you hear people talking about feel, it basically just means, oh yeah, they're not, they're not a robot. Yeah. They've got feel. You know, they're not playing. Do you remember when Caleb Kilmer was doing those memes? Uh, yeah. For those listening, Kate... Caleb Kilmer <laughs> was on the show a while ago. December Caleb, of 19, I believe, yeah. Yeah. Uh, go back and listen to that if you get the chance. Caleb and I had a drum company together called Griner Kilmer um, for seven years, from 2011 to 18 or so. And Caleb's a very funny person, and he had he had a bunch of memes. He was just he, – he was a meme factory, man. He was, he was putting <laughs> them the out. Best. And um, the one meme was about Adam Gray and myself. Do you remember what that said? I vaguely remember some, something with a robot trying to be a human versus a human trying to be a robot or something like that, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I forget who was associated with whatever, but like yeah. Adam Gray, uh, when Adam Gray plays drums, it's like he sounds like a human trying to be a robot. And when Matt Griner plays drums, it's, it sounds like a robot trying to sound human, you know? Yeah, right. And, uh, and I, that speaks to this whole, this whole yeah. topic, right? It's like mm-hmm. I play metal drums. The, the style of drumming that I have practiced and curated over the years is, is very specific to metal. Actually, mm-hmm. it works really well because we're talking about this Pro Tools grid. You want to be locked into those lines. Yeah. You want to be on the beat. Everything has its place. There's a lot happening. Things have to be concise and played intentionally. Uh, that's not all genres. And so when I look to explore and get out of what I would consider my drum DNA, that's where I'm looking to jazz. That's where I'm looking to fusion and these other styles where there's there are intricacies and nuances that I'm just not all that comfortable with. Mm-hmm. I'm not all that comfortable with because I've lived in this world for so long and this is this has been my experience. But my argument, my argument is this, that even when I go to jazz or even when I go to fusion and I spend a lot of time with it, I still bring to those genres the same fundamental elements that I bring to metal. The way that I think about stickings and the way that I think about sounds and painting this, this portrait with my drum set, you know? Yeah. Um, you don't leave that behind just because you go to a different genre. 
Um, you don't abandon your drum DNA just because your teacher is coaching you in a certain way. To the point you made earlier, I kind of, that, that resonates with me. Like, I don't want to lose what is specific to me, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. And um, I, think, I think for a lot of listeners too, it's like, keep that in mind. You know, you have something as a drummer that is specific to you and what God has given you. Um, don't be afraid to use it the way you use it. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid to be critiqued for using it the way you want to. But also, don't be afraid to go out there and get some of those rough edges knocked off, you know, yeah. whether it's through, through a teacher um, or through online lessons um, or through influences that you're trying to play like them or mm -hmm. other genres. Yeah, The 100%. drum DNA you have will always be there, and it's to your benefit, not your demise. Yeah, yep. You know? Yeah, that's it. I, don't do what I did. Don't be afraid of <laughs> drum lessons because you're afraid to lose yourself. You're not going to lose yourself. Um, no. It's near impossible to lose yourself, um, especially if you know what you like, you know? And if you don't yeah. know what you like, explore, you know? Yeah. Explore different styles and, and um, figure out which style brings out who you are the most, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I've just found I'm, I feel like I'm in the best place in my drumming career, even though I'm not playing constantly. I'm in the best place because I just love playing drums. It doesn't matter what style of music. You know, for mm -hmm. a while I was like that judgmental person that was like, oh, you listen to that? Ugh, what yeah. a chump, you know? Yeah, but, yeah. But now it's just like <laughs> if, I, if I'm playing drums, like I'll find a song that isn't necessarily my style. There's like um, my wife loves listening to the radio. It's on in the car when we drive places. I hear all these songs now that are popular radio, and I'm not a huge... I've never been a big person for popular music. It's always like that underground band, that pop punk band that no one's ever heard of or whatever. Um, <laughs> but now I'm finding myself like hearing all these songs and finding... They might not be incredible songs, but I'm finding elements that I like about them, and, I'm, and yeah. I want to like, play drums to it because mm -hmm. I'm a drummer. you know. So like I was jamming to this 24-karat gold song, I don't like that. Like, I'm not a fan of their band necessarily, but like, I realized like, this is a pop punk song. Yeah. <laughs> In a R and B like rap kind of feel, you know, like yeah. they they produced it differently, but at its core, it's a pop punk song, which is why yeah. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So, and I was playing drums, and I was just like, oh, this is this is I love. I gravitate towards this because it's me. You know, yeah, this exactly. Is me, just with different production. Um. So find what you like, you know, f explore that. Um, and don't be afraid to lose yourself in it because um, I think as a drummer, like losing yourself is is uh, important sometimes, <laughs> you yeah. know? Because yeah. you, you, when you lose yourself, you're forced to find yourself, you know? Yeah. You're forced to ground yourself again. Um, yeah. And sometimes it's just when you're in the like zone and you're, and, you're and you're lost in it, it's like, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about two different things kind of, but, you know, when, when you... Uh, when you don't know where you're headed, um, it's there's more of a drive, more of a desire, which is what we talked about. You know that tunnel vision. You know finding that goal. If the mm -hmm. goal is to to figure out where you excel, um, try different things. Mm -hmm. Tunnel it. That's great. Cool. Yeah. Well, I think I think that that's that's an important topic to me because um, it's true and it's relevant. The, so mm -hmm. those two things 
uh, are both true at the very same time in my life right now. And so I, I hope that was helpful to you as a drummer and as a listener of this show. Um, don't, don't be afraid to lose yourself by going to different teachers, by going to different influences, by going to different genres. You will not. Uh, yeah. my, my argument is that what you've been given in your drum DNA is there to stay. It can only be curated and nurtured and can only advance. Uh, mm-hmm. And that, that, should, that should motivate you and inspire you. Right. So, and ultimately, you'll know if you're if you're not if you don't like what you're playing. <laughs> so that's not going to change. That's uh, true. No matter how you get there, you're going to get to a place where you like what you're playing. So that's true. Try it. So all. I think uh, what we'd like to do now, and for subsequent episodes, unless everyone hates it, which maybe they will, <laughs> um, I think that we should each contribute um, a song or an artist that we've been listening to, and. Yeah. Um, I have to go turn off my furnace, so you're going to do this without me hearing <laughs> okay. it, which makes it as objective as possible, because uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to know. I see the judgmental facial expressions from you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, then, and, then I'll, and then I'll tell you mine, and maybe like they're it. the same, and then we'll, uh, we'll hop it. into the God topic. All right? Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah. You're back. So, yeah. Um, so I guess this comes as no surprise to most people, but uh, the... The type of music I've been listening to a lot is still pop punk, um, and there's actually an album that I've been I've been really jamming, um, and it's an album by the band Knuckle Puck. Uh, the album is called 2020, and it's just really solid. It was kind of like a natural. Uh, so I was really big into another band I'll bring up called Real Friends, and um, I think I mentioned that in the questions episode, but um, just kind of like a a newer wave of pop punk. I've always been a big fan of the starting line and Reliant K. So this was kind of like the next level, um, kind of dangerous, the dangerous summer mixed with the starting line kind of feel. Um, so I was big into real friends. And then, um, thanks to Spotify recommendations, (laughs) I got into a bunch of other pop punk bands, uh, knuckle puck probably being my favorite out of the mix. So yeah, been jamming, uh, been jamming that album and, um, has kind of rekindled my love for pop punk. Um, so, yeah. And Matt is still turning off his furnace, but, uh, but here he I'm is. I'm here. So, okay, here he so is. the funny thing is I could hear that whole thing because I have AirPods in. So uh, <laughs> that's, that's not what I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> that is really funny. Okay, so I've been listening to, to Death Cab for Cutie. Um, oh, dude, I love them. There's yes. an album called Thank You for Today. And mm-hmm. it's fantastic. So check it out. Death Cab for Cutie. You can listen to anything in their discography. Plans is my favorite album by them. Yeah, um, mine too. And Transatlanticism. But mm-hmm. thank you for today's awesome. So, okay. Uh, let's hop into the God topic. So I want to start off by reading a lyric that I wrote. Um, it's actually for a song that came out yesterday. Uh, oh, August cool. Burns Red, Standing in the Storm. Um, I feel like this is very closely connected to what we're about to talk about. So here we go. Cool. I'm just going to read a part of it. And uh, I want to see what you think, Tim. Okay? Yeah. Let's do it. All right. I'm losing my mind. There's no rain, just lightning and thunder. Nobody wins when we've lost one another. I know that damage is not destroyed. A face I won't forget, a feeling I can't shake. Damage is not destroyed. We fall apart so easily. We fall apart so fast, so easily we break. It has to rain to see a painted sky. Not all deserts are deserted and dry. What's lost can always be found. I'll sing along to the sound. I'll shout it out 
even if no one's around. Standing in the storm, found each other, lost one another. I saw the truth for what it is. Found each other, lost one another. You find the love that never fails you when you fail the one you love. Say goodbye. Fight, fight to reunite. You know it's right, but instead you fight with all your might. I want you, but you want out. So this song is um, deeply personal to me. Um, And actually the reason I want to talk about this God topic is because it speaks to this situation Uh, It speaks to this experience I've had. Um, And I just want to speak directly to those that are listening that feel like they've been hurt um, by someone in the church. They've been hurt by someone who they considered a friend. Um, There has been a compromised level of of trust um, between yourself and and your your partner or your family. Um, Someone told you to do something and you did it and you got burned for it. Um, a relationship that you were in ended and you were fighting for it to survive and it didn't. Um, all, of these, all of these moments in our lives where hope deferred, you know, as the Bible says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. You mm-hmm. had this desire, you had this idea of what was going to happen and it did not happen. In mm-hmm. fact, it fell apart, it, it broke apart in your life. And I want to speak to you as a listener and just say to you, I understand that you would never want to go back to the place where you got burned, where you were hurt, where you were rejected, where you were abandoned. I don't know um, how, how deep those layers go, but I know from personal experience that I didn't know that there were so many layers. I didn't know that there were so many levels. Picture an elevator that goes down to the ground floor and then to the basement I thought that was the lowest level. <laughs> I thought that was it. Well, my elevator went down a lot further than I thought it was possible to go. And what I mean by that is hurt and rejection cuts deep. Yeah. It cuts deep. And you don't want to reopen those, those hurts in your life. Um, I want to speak to you as a listener and just encourage you to look at what God is saying in the words of Jesus in Luke 5, when he instructs fishermen, as a carpenter, instructs fishermen to go back to the place where they were investing their energy and their time and their expertise, and it was all seemingly in vain. They came back with nothing. They went with expectation, and they came back with nothing. And someone who, (laughs) on the surface, knows nothing about what they do, right? You can't relate to them. They're fishermen. He's a carpenter. Yeah. God can't relate to me. He's God. And I just went through this painful situation and now he's telling me to go back, right? And so what we see in this, in this story in Luke 5 is that they say, they might say with all their might, ah, I'm not going back. I can't do that. This is dumb. There's no way. But they did it. They actually did it. That's the important thing. They didn't have to. Mm-hmm. They could have called it a night and said, that's it, but they didn't. And they took off and they went back to that very place and, they, and they, they cast their nets into the deep and they caught so many fish, their boat couldn't even accommodate their catch and they had to call for help. And so I, I've been journaling for almost a year now and I, I wrote about this a little bit. Here's what I said. Today I realized I can trust Jesus to get back in the fight and go back to where I felt hurt and rejection 
to find the kind of love that I didn't think still existed. And my challenge for you as a listener, my challenge to myself, really, is that God can be trusted. We either trust him and we obey him, or we don't trust him and we say, I know better, the hurt is too great, the rejection was too great. I believe that God wants us, encourages us, leads us into that place where we once found a desert and he's saying, no, 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 there's more to it than that. There's an oasis, like there's water, I'm telling you. You yeah. might feel like you know every square inch of this, <laughs> this arid desert. Like, I got you. I, I, I know that desert. I created it. And though you might not understand why it's there and why you had to walk in that desert for so long, I'm telling you, we're going to go back together. I'm going to lead you there. And you're going to find what you've been looking for in that place, mm-hmm. not in spite of it. Because yeah. of it, actually, not in spite of it. Sure. Yeah. I want to draw some attention to a point that you glossed over. I guess you kind of made the point, but you mentioned, so the important thing about that story where, where Jesus tells the disciples or the fishermen to go back yeah. to the same spot. The, the important thing here is exactly what you said. They did it. You know, a lot of people take away, oh, it's a miracle. All the fish, the boats were almost sinking. Like mm. that's what most people would be like. Oh yeah, the <laughs> boats were almost sinking. They were so full of, of fish. What a miracle. Yeah, yeah what but a miracle. I take it back. They did it. And this isn't to put, to re, to put the emphasis on the disciples necessarily, but just to, to put the emphasis on the importance here. Like the fish didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Like in the grand scheme of things, the point mm-hmm. that was being made was not about, you know, God's provision or <laughs> you right. know that's the, exactly the right. miracle the the uh the emphasis is on obedience. Mm-hmm. Jesus told them to do mm. something. They didn't have to do it. If they didn't do it, there never would have been a miracle whatever. Move right. on, you know. Right. Uh it wouldn't have made it into the Bible probably. You right. know, but the 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 thing that they did is they did. They did yeah. it. They went, yeah. they listened, they obeyed. Um and that sometimes, I think we're presented in life with instances like this. We might not recognize every single one, but we feel prodding on our heart or uh, in our gut, we feel there's something we need to do. And it's exactly as Matt said, it's something that we want to run the other way. You know, a great example of this is the story of Jonah, mm-hmm. where he knew that God was calling him to Nineveh. He wanted to run the other way and he did. And the miracle wasn't him getting thrown off the boat, getting swallowed by a fish, getting spit back up. You know, it just got him to the place where he was obedient Mm -hmm. and God used that. God works through obedience. We see it time and time again. Mm -hmm. And I think we're faced with opportunities to obey. And we won't always, we won't always suffer consequences if we disobey. Mm. It's not always a, you better listen to me or else. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's listen to me because I have a reward for you. Mm-hmm. Obey me because I, I'm trying to show you something. I'm trying to give you something, hmm. you know? And, and I feel like a lot of people, Christians included, pastors that I've heard sermons from <laughs> included, preach obedience sometimes in this way where it's like, 
it's just so uh, what's a what's a good word for it? Religious. Mm-hmm. It's so just like you do this, mm-hmm. and it's not for you. It's for That's God. Right. It's for yeah. God's glory. And yes, when you obey, it is glorifying it to God. It brings glory to God. But it's That's not. Right. It's not about that. God. God's love is it's for us. It's yeah. glorifying to him, which is the the funny part is like when we accept his love, when we when we accept it's like so here's the best way I know how to put it like practically. Like Matt, if I was going to give you a gift and I and yeah. I spent so much time putting this together and I and I say, "Hey, I have something for you in the other room. Go check it out." Uh-huh. But you don't want to go into the other room because it's too hot in there. Yeah. <laughs> the furnace has been on all day. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it has. It has. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's, I mean, it's disappointing to me because, like, you don't get the gift that I, that I spent so much time on for you. But you also don't know because you didn't go into the room to find out, you know? Mm. And it, it's like, it's kind of like a hit or miss. But I feel like that's our relationship with God in a lot of pla- in a lot a mm. lot of times is you know God is telling us to do something and it's not because he is sovereign and he's commanding this of us because mm-hmm. it's our christian duty like mm-hmm. enough of that enough mm-hmm. of that mm-hmm. this is a relationship mm-hmm. when god has something for us he's prepared it for us he has mm-hmm. uh you know there's something waiting for us that is for our benefit whether we realize it or not and so obeying him is not supposed to be this painful process. It's supposed to be a rewarding process. It's supposed to be a process that it's glorifying to him because we're being obedient, but it's also to bring us to a place that, that we, that is good. Mm -hmm. God has good intentions for us. Uh, it might be hard. You know, it might be, uh, we, Matt might start to sweat when he walks into the room. Mm -hmm. It might be a little difficult to get to that gift, but Mm -hmm. once he gets there, he realizes, oh, Wow, this is a this is an incredible gift. Mm-hmm. Thank you, and I'm glorified because I'm like, yes, I spent so much time mm-hmm. making this for you, preparing this. Yeah, for it was you, costly, and you're enjoying it. Yeah, exactly. It was costly to me, and and that's and I think that's how we have to look at it. Is hmm. when God tells us to do something, in most cases, it's yes, it's for His glory, but understand what for His glory means. That's right. It's for his glory and for our benefit. That's right. Um, so I don't know if that was really super confusing, but that's kind of how I'm seeing it. That's why I took out of that passage was just, yeah. they did it. They, yeah, did, they it. did it. And they reaped the reward, but it does. the reward doesn't matter. It's what they did that mattered. <laughs> it's it's, it's sort of like when you're, does your wife ever, um, well, we won't. We won't go there. Um, let's stay away from that. But if you're, but if you're listening to this, uh, I, I think this is a very common thing that happens, right? I do it. Mm-hmm. We all do it. I want you to do something for me, but if I tell you to do it, then you, it's not that you really want to do it. It's not that mm-hmm. you really want to do it for me. It's just, you're doing it because I told you to. Religion yeah. says, I told you to do this, therefore do it because I told mm-hmm. you to. And all that religion gives you in the end is a list of rules that you follow, but you follow them because you were instructed to follow them. The person that instated those rules really isn't getting anything out of it, except for the mm-hmm. fact that the rules are being followed. How much more, <laughs> how much greater, how much greater to be the one instating those rules and someone obeying the rules because they love you, actually. 
Mm-hmm. I, they want to follow the rules. Sure, yeah. the rules are there. They're in place. The Ten Commandments are there. They're in place. But someone, is there someone in the room who's willing to do what's right because they love the one who created them and everyone else? Mm-hmm. They're responding to that out of love. That is Christianity to me. It's, it's mm-hmm. a group of people who decided that the gift that was given to them on the cross was so costly, there's no way they could live their lives for themselves because that gift was given for them. And out of response to that, they say, of course, this is the way I'll live and I'll fail in doing it, but I'm going to keep doing it this way because I did not deserve that, that mm-hmm. gift. I can never repay it. But so the very least that I can do is giving as much as I can every day out of response to that. And that's love. Yeah. And I think that that brings God's, that brings God glory, so much glory in the end, because it's like, yes, you, you have a failed creation. All of us are failing at this, but our response is what matters to him in much the same way. The fish didn't really matter. It's the mm-hmm. fact that they said to a carpenter, we're pro fishermen and you're a carpenter. We just tried to do what you're saying we should do, and we failed. And you're saying to go mm-hmm. do it again. All right, we're going to do this. I think for those that are listening that are going through a shitstorm right now, much of this won't really speak to the pain. I understand mm-hmm. that. The last yeah. thing I wanted to hear was like, I'm praying for you. God bless you. Uh, you know what I'm saying? There's a yeah. list. I kept a list of things that just <laughs> bothered me, right? They bothered <laughs> yeah. me and they bother yeah. you and they should bother you because the things, it's, it's easy to say a bunch of words, but what, what yeah. I think helped me was understanding that God saw my pain and he understood me. Hmm. If someone understands you, it's really easy to love them because they know you, they see you, they can empathize with you. Mm-hmm. I really felt like God understood my pain when I was going through it. And because of that, he was trustworthy. I could trust him to go back to that spot. Now it's taken me a little while, but with yeah. this message on Sunday on Luke five, God is calling me back into the fight and it's going to require me to have that, Tim Anderson moment where it's just like, just do it. You got to do it. At some point you have to make that decision. But underneath all of that is, is, is years of growing in this understanding that God knows you. He sees you. And I want you as a listener to hear that because it's, it's, it will speak to the pain much like it did for, for uh, Horatio Spafford, which we've talked about Mm -hmm. quite a bit when he lost his, his four daughters, I believe the bottom of the Atlantic, he wrote this hymn, It Is Well. How could anyone write a hymn like that? Well, look at what he wrote about Jesus on the cross. Why did you write about Jesus on the cross? Because he knew someone could understand pain at the deepest level. And he also knew that it reminded him of his own sin. Someone would do that for him. So in his worst and lowest moments, he went to the cross. I think we need to do the same thing. It'll help us understand who Jesus is, and it'll help us trust him to just say, Mm -hmm. do it, just do it, go back, go back to that church. That church hurt you? Dude, Tim and I get it. We get it. Yeah. 
I don't yeah. want to go to church either. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. I'm just becoming a member at the end of this month, actually, at my girlfriend's church. And um, it has not been an easy decision. Um, God's calling you back to that friendship. Yeah, but they did this, this, and this to me. There's reconciliation that's possible. And in that friendship, you can find, you can find what you need. And maybe they can find what they need. Go back to that parent that hurt you, abandoned you, you know? Um, it's, it's not going to be easy, but we have someone who's telling us that he's trustworthy and that we can find, we can find the answers. We can find the life that he has for us. Mm-hmm. So if I were to present, this is a hypothetical question, but if I were yeah. to present the, the idea of a world without pain, a world without feelings, yeah. Would that be better than the world we're living in now, having experienced the pain that you have? Utopia. A utopia of kinds. Um, in a way, yes. I, I think my knee-jerk reaction to that is, <laughs> give me that world. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, no. Yeah. Uh, I, I, every Every great thing in my life, uh, has had its varying degree of pain, suffering, and setbacks. And it's, it's because of, it's because of those things, not in spite of them, that I love Jesus more and more and more and more, and that my life has changed Mm -hmm. for the better. Yeah. I'm inclined to agree. I feel like a world without pain is almost monotonous. It's almost, uh, meaningless. Yeah. Because, because pain makes us who we are. You know, it, uh, it, it opens up opportunities. It helps us learn. Many people would argue, I'm not sure what I feel in this regard, but many people would argue that that knowledge is one of the greatest things that you can achieve. You know, this that this life is is meant to learn. Yeah. And and to to because knowledge is power. You know, that's that's a phrase that I'm sure most of you have heard. <laughs> knowledge yeah. is power. <laughs> um so like you can't you can't learn from something without that discomfort, without that pain. You know, you can't, yeah. uh, you could keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. And if, if it doesn't hurt, like, I mean, I'm learning this like with my son because I'll tell yeah. him, don't do that. And he says, why? And I say, cause you're going to get hurt. And yeah. he does it anyway. And he's going to keep doing that same thing yeah. until he gets hurt. Because right. it doesn't matter what I tell him. I can, I can relay the facts, but I've learned I can't always be there to protect him from pain. Yeah. I can't always be there to stop him from getting that bruise. Yeah. And it's going to take him getting that bruise to learn, oh, I shouldn't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the way of life. It's, it's how we are. It's how we function. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and I've said it, I think I said it in the very first episode, like pain for me, the darkest time in my life was the best time of my life. When I think about like spiritual growth, yeah. uh, growth as a person, you know, um, and it, it didn't take, I don't want to discount counseling or talking to people cause that's important, but it didn't, it didn't even take that. Yeah. It just took me hitting rock bottom and being like, God, you're the only thing I've got. Yeah. What helped me do what, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I, and that's, <laughs> that's what it changed everything. Changed yeah. my perspective on life. It changed how I reacted. Changed how I dealt with people. Like I mean, it was it took that to make me who I am today, which is a much better person. Yeah, 
a much more pleasant person. Yeah. And it, and the funny thing is that before that, I was under the impression that I was, you know, damn near holy. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I was like, I thought I was living, you know, the way that everyone should. That's you know, exactly I right. I, I could do no wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought I, and, and turns out I was a, I was a dick. You oh, know, yeah. I was, I was an asshole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have it right at all. I was just under this illusion that I was a cool, good person. You really you know? were, and though. You really were. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't a terrible person. I don't want to give that impression, but man, have I learned a lot since then. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. No, it's, I'm right it's there with you. insane how much my eyes have been opened. Yeah. Uh, it was like I was living in the dark. Honestly, I'm the kid that was that. walking with Jake on tour and some... Some underage kid was like, hey, man, uh, can you guys uh, buy me cigarettes? And I turned, I looked at him, I said, no, we're Christians. We're Christians. And Jake pretty much ripped my head off, and uh, I later realized uh, how horrible of a human being I was. So there you go. (laughs) It it takes pain, man. It takes takes, uh, discomfort, Um, you know, you have to step outside of your comfort zone to to grow and, and improve. It's it's like that with with life, with faith, with drums. You know, ha, like you would suck at drums if you didn't do things that were uncomfortable. And <laughs> that hurt. How many times have you hit your leg with a oh, stick man. or, or oh, uh, you know ripped open a blister? Like it's it's painful. It's uncomfortable. Oh, the your headaches hurt after the, the hours sweat, of playing on drums. The time. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not comfortable, but you still love it, and it's still worth it, right? I mean, it's at the end of the day. I love it more than anything, man. Yeah. It's valuable to me because of those investments. Exactly. It has value. That's, I think that speaks to value. your question. It's like how much, what would life look like without pain and suffering? Well, I, I, I don't know what we would value if everything was glossed over. We value mm-hmm. the things that are costly, and cost costly really a loose definition would be something that is sacrificed for the sake of something else, mm-hmm. which is epitomized on the cross. It was the costliest sacrifice of all time in all of human history, and it was done for you. Yeah. It was done for you. And no, you don't deserve it because you're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You were. You're a little less of one now. I'm a little less. I'm going to find out in a few years listening back to these episodes. Holy crap. What what was I thinking? Such a terrible person then. I hope this. That's life though, right? I hope this episode speaks to you. It's it's been impactful for me. Uh, Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. If you're looking to support us, um, you can do so. We have methods of, of doing that, and uh, it's very easy. You just go to patreon.com. We have a Patreon. We have different tiers. You can support us mm-hmm. from $5 all the way up to $50. I $50. Think. The, cra- the crazy ones are all yeah. at the 50 level, right? That's right. <laughs> JK. <laughs> JK, thanks, guys. <laughs> so we're, uh, I think what we should do is I think we should support Mikey Jones um, this yep. month. Let's do that. Let's support Mikey. Yeah. Mikey, Mikey passed away last night. His family's in need. They are from uh, Boulder City, Nevada, actually. And okay. uh, they have a GoFundMe. Let's put some money in their court. Um, thank you for your mm-hmm. support of this podcast. We hope it's been fun, beneficial, and thought-provoking. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so patreon.com slash holyghostnotes. Uh, there's a bunch of, uh, a number of tiers with different incentives at every level. Uh, 
including uh, immediate access to Matt Griner lessons, which is awesome. I think that's at the triplet and ghost note tiers. Mm-hmm. So, and then as Matt said, we do give a portion of everything we earn each month to uh, to a cause or a charity that that we value. And so we'll be giving it. Uh, yeah, we'll give we we'll give it to him this month. Yeah. So. Yep. Good stuff, That's man. Good. Love you. That uh, was fun. That was a good conversation. Out. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Thank you. Uh, quick shout out to Claire uh, Raquel, I believe. Not sure if I pronounced that right, but thank you. Welcome to the Inner Circle. Welcome, Claire. Um, that rules. And uh, if you guys listening, well, thank you for listening. First off, um, I consider every listener a supporter of this podcast, regardless of your patronage. Um, <laughs> new word we found out today. Uh, <laughs> but uh, if you guys have any questions or comments, um, let us know. Matt and Tim at theholyghostnotes.com. Uh, you can also hit us up on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter at Holy Ghost Notes. Um, and yeah, post your drum videos with hashtag Holy Ghost Notes for a chance to be featured as our Groove of the Week. Yeah. I think that's it. That's it, man. That's everything. Oh, check out our merch. We got some some real comfortable merch. Absolutely. So if you're interested in repping uh, HGN on the streets. The pins are awesome, by the way. I love those things. They're oh, yeah. so sweet. They are sick. Yeah. 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 They're so sweet. Yeah, man. All right, brother. Thanks a lot. All right, guys. I love you. I love you guys. Thanks, Thanks for listening. Time. I love you too. Hang in there. We'll talk soon. Indeed. Peace. Peace.